And uh, Psalm 19 is a, is a great psalm. It is considered, uh, of all the psalms, probably one of the best poems in Hebrew poetry. And it's filled with a lot of good things in terms of right theology. But we're going to try to listen to what he has to say. But I was uh, impressed with the song we just sang, and I'd like to pray uh, that second verse for us, part of that second verse, as we begin today. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that you will cause our faith to rise. Cause our eyes to see your majestic love and authority. Now give me words of power that can never fail. Let their truth prevail over unbelief. Amen. May that be, may that be true for us this morning. You know, uh, one of the things I like is I like baseball. Does anyone here like baseball? No, maybe I'm the only one? Oh, okay, that's good that some of you uh, like baseball. And now I'll even go a little further. I like the St. Louis Cardinals. Does anyone here like the St. Louis Cardinals? We like baseball. You, you certainly like the Cubs and not the Cardinals. But one of the things that's true for me is I like to listen to the Cardinals on the radio. At KMOX 1120, uh, the dial. It used to be really clear. So when I'm driving at night, I turn on the Cardinal gate. And it's, when I first turn it on, I get it tuned in. It's very loud and it sounds great. And then all of a sudden, it's intermittent. intermittent. There's a little bit about the game. It's silent, a little bit more about the game. And then I go a little further, and all of a sudden, it's static. And then I go a little further, and it's silent. So, you know, uh, one option is for me to turn back, right? To turn back and get closer to the station signal. Well, I don't do that. I just keep on going. And I try again every time to get the signal, but I can't get it. And so I don't know how the game ends as I get further and further away from the station. But I'd like to contend with us this morning. That reality is true for our spiritual lives as well. Our connection or our signal from God gets weak as we move further away from him. So the question I have for you this morning, as you look at your life, how clearly are you hearing God these days? Are you getting a clear signal? Or is it intermittent? Sometimes it's really clear, sometimes it's not. Or is it all static these days? Or is it silent and has been silent for a while? What we're going to see in, in uh, Psalm 19 is God is constantly communicating to us. He's constantly revealing himself. He is constantly speaking to us. And those who are tuned into his station hear it and hear it really clearly. And that's our goal today is to walk away from here, getting our channel and our signal from God be much clearer and regular for us. And so what we see in this psalm is we see God speaking in three ways. He speaks in creation or through creation. He speaks through his word. And then he speaks to our souls. So let's look at this in the first uh, six verses there in terms of God speaking through his creation. 
You know, verse 1 starts as, The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. And you can imagine, here's David tending his sheep at night. And he's out there during the later hours of night, and he looks up to the heavens, and he sees the stars. He sees the moon. He sees the vastness of space. And then he says to himself, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. He's moved by looking at the stars and the moon and the vastness of space. You know, it's interesting. You know, what is the glory of the Lord? When we talk about the glory of the Lord, what does that mean? I could ask you, and you but uh, I won't take that time this morning to do that. But the glory of the Lord basically means his fame, his renown. The word glory means heaviness or weighty. When we talk about the glory of God, glory God is heavy. When you think about it, it's heavy. He's weighty. So what David was thinking about at this point is he was saying, he was thinking about God's importance, God's greatness, God's power and God's radiance as he looked into the skies. You know, then he goes on here. He says, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. And then he says, the skies proclaim the work of his hands, his creativity. And then he thinks about there. He he goes on and talks about the day and night. He says, day after day, it pour forth speech. Night after night reveals knowledge. You know, it's amazing when you think about day and night is the fact that they're regular and there is an orderliness to it. You know, just what if their 24-hour period got screwed up for a minute? That would mess up a lot of things, wouldn't it? But it's orderly. It's every day, every night. And you, know, you think about our seasons are determined by our days and nights. Also, the whole agricultural agricultural calendar is determined by the days and nights. You know, when you look at the universe, there's an amazing precision. <coughs> Everything is like clockwork. And that really does what that does. It really proclaims the glory of the Lord. But it also, when you see this, what God's working and speaking, you see his power. You see his wisdom. You see his uh, honor and glory. But look at the contrast in verse 3. You know, we're talking about speech. What does verse 3 say? Yet all these things have no speech. They use no words, yet there is no sound in them. He talks about, look at the words he uses. He says, proclaim. Well, that's a word that you think about someone talking, right? He talks about declaring. He talks about uh, pouring forth speech. He talks about the whole idea of revealing. What's interesting here, he says, none of that has words. But you can clearly hear it. And so what he describes that by is he says, look at the sun. And it says there, and in, in, uh, look at verses 4 and 5. Uh, in the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run the race. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. 
What God does is he places the sun in the dome in the sky. And then he says, when every morning when it rises, he says it's like a bridegroom coming out of the wedding chamber in the morning. The joy and the radiance on his face. That's when the sun comes up. And then he says, as it goes through the skies, you see the power. It's like a champion runner running a race. And then when it ends the day, there's a sense that nothing is hidden from the sun. Everything experiences its effect. Everything is warmed by it. Our cheeks are warmed by the sun. All this is God speaking. And the effects are evident. And so the sun, just like the skies, reveal God's power, his wisdom, and his glory. You know, does anyone know what you call this when God speaks this way? Does anyone know what kind of revelation this is? What's that? General, General revelation. Another, another uh, that's a good one. Another one would be called natural revelation. Everybody gets this revelation. Everybody sees this. And in Romans 1, verse 20, it says this. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what was made so that people are without excuse. So that people without excuse. Natural revelation or general revelation can lead a person to God. And how can that be? The design of the universe begs what question? You see the design. What's the, what's the natural question that comes out of that? Who designed it, right? And so God is talking to everyone by, not with words, right? But with how the orderliness, the regularity of the of the universe, the vastness, the greatness. And you better think at least, who designed this? And that's one way that God is trying to get our attention, anybody's attention. Have you asked that question? Who is the designer here? I think one of the interesting things about general revelation and where it falls short, like I think Connor mentioned, I like to tell people about Jesus. General revelation really helps us see the power of God, right? The glory, the strength, the majesty of God, when you see that. But you know what it doesn't tell you? It doesn't tell you about God's love. It doesn't tell you about God's mercy. And it doesn't tell you about God's grace. And that's why we see God speaking, first of all, through his creation. But secondly, God speaks through his word. His word, just so we all are saying the same thing, is Bible. He talks through the Bible. He gives the much clearer and fuller presentation in the Bible about his love, his grace, and mercy. You know, it's interesting if you were to look at the words used in verses 1 through 6 for God. The name for God in 1 through 6 is El, which is E-L which is referring to the deity of God. The deity of God. Verses 7 and on, he uses the word Yahweh. Does anyone know what Yahweh stands for? or what ya- Why Yahweh is a, 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 a significant term? 
when we talk to when we refer to God? Well, Yahweh is Lord, but it's the personal name of God. It's the name that God gives Himself and reveals Himself to with Moses in Exodus. Now we're talking much more personal about who God is. And God is talking to us about uh, himself in the word of God. And I want us to read uh, verses, uh, and if you do have it, because I'd like to, I'll ask another question about this, if you have access to this. Look into verses 7 through 11 in Psalms 19. So if you have that, and then I'll... Uh, give you a little ask for a little help from you the law of the Lord is perfect refreshing the soul the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy making wise the simple the precepts of the Lord are right giving joy to the heart the commands of the Lord are radiant giving light to the eyes The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The the decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. This is like I said, this is I'm gonna stop there. I said this is a poem. These are six lines in the poem, or six stanzas. And in that poem, he has a title. Each each sentence has a title, each sentence has an attribute. And each sentence has a benefit. Okay? And so, what are those six, uh, what are the six synonyms for God's word or the Bible in there? Verse 7, what, what is the, what's the title he gives it? Okay, the law of the Lord. Okay, great, thanks. How about in, uh, in 7b, what's he talk about there? There's the law, then there's what? Anyone? What's that? Testimony. Uh, you have testimony or statues? Yeah. Okay, good. Testimony or statues. What's the third synonym? Precepts. Precepts, right. How about in the end of eight? What's the second one? A third or fourth one? Commandments. Commands, right. And the fifth what? Fear. Fear of God. That's kind of interesting. Why? You know, in terms of a, a, a synonym, basically we're talking about there is it's uh, the effect of reading God's word causes you to fear God. What's the sixth synonym used? In, the, in the verse 9. Rules or decrees, okay? All right, those are the six different synonyms for the word of God. He talks about those who are law, statutes, Precepts, commands, fear, and decrees. Now, what are the attributes that he say about that? What's the attribute for the, the law of the Lord? What does he, what's the attribute does he say it is? Perfect. Perfect. How about the statutes? Trustworthy. Trustworthy, yes. How about precepts or whatever you have there? Right. Right. What about commands? Pure. Pure, uh, pure is the fear. What about the one before that? Radiant. And finally, what's the last one? Firm. All these synonyms and attributes about the Word of God are helping us understand they are, in fact, uh, comprehensive. 
is everything about God's speech in the Word of God covers everything. And it's perfect. It's radiant and all those sorts of things. I want to make a statement, which I think is, for me, this is a very important what I'm thinking about here, and I think you all are on the same page. I, or we, have a high view of Scripture. And the reason we have a high view of Scripture is because we believe in Jesus. And Jesus had a high view of Scripture. It says in Matthew 5, verses 17 and 18, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. The Bible is the voice of God spoken to his people about him. The Bible is the word of God. We have access to us in this book to the very words of God. You know, we're a, a part of the Evangelical Free Church of America, and they have a doctrinal statement on the Bible. Has anyone ever heard it or seen it? Yeah, let me just read it to you. The Bible, we believe that God has spoken in the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, through the words of human authors. As the verbally inspired word of God, the Bible is without error in the original writings. The complete revelation of his will for salvation and the ultimate authority by which every realm of human knowledge and endeavor should be judged. Therefore, it is to be believed in all that it teaches, obeyed in all that it requires, and trusted in all that it promises. We believe as free church people, we believe as Christians, that we should obey, believe, obey, and trust the word of God. And what this passage says, it gives a number of benefits for those who do. Now we look, we've looked at the different synonyms, the titles, we've looked at the attributes, but here's the benefits. Now I'll preface I'll this with this. If you're believing, you're obeying, and you're trusting the word of God, here's the benefits. Number one, it refreshes your soul. As we read the Word of God, it refreshes our soul. It causes us as we, to turn back to God, to realign with Him. It gives us forgiveness and cleansing. That's what the Word of God can do. You need a sense of refreshment, reviving of your soul these days. The second thing the Word of God can do is it can challenge your mind. It's an interesting statement where he says it makes uh, why is the simple? And the idea you think here, the simple, is, well, the person doesn't have very good intellect, right? No, what he's saying here, it makes wise, simple means those who are open to instruction. 
And you know, lots of times in our life, we're not very open to instructions at all. He says, you're open to the instructions of the Word of God, you will become wise. You know, the healthy fear of God. That's a, a second benefit. A third benefit is this. It delights our heart. When we read the Bible, there's a joy. There's an inner peace. There's a tranquility. When you're reading the Bible, you're reading the Bible not because you're just trying to get intellectual, gain intellectual, but does it make a difference to you if you look at this book and you start thinking, holy smokes, this is God speaking. These are God's words. Don't they have a little more value if you could think that? It delights the heart. It clarifies, the fourth one is it clarifies the vision. I like what the New Living Translation says this, it gives insights into life. You want to know what you should be doing on the decisions ahead? What's next for you? I think the Bible might have something to say about that. Finally, it does two things. It gives us a healthy respect. As we read the Bible, it gives us a healthy respect for God. One of the things I decided in my life, uh, I've never used it. It's interesting. Lori helped. One of the things I did over at uh, Lakeland was, it was involved in uh, Alpha. I don't know if anybody heard much about Alpha, but I made a decision uh, about five, six years ago that I'd read through the Bible in its entire every, every year. And I've got a, an app that does that. But when I realized that as I am in the Bible every day, reading, I know my worldview has changed. It is, it is becoming a part of who I am. I'm getting a healthy reverence for God. And the final thing it says is that the Word of God is beneficial for everything. But what really strikes me is verses 10 and 11. Look at these words. Verses 10 and 11, if you have your Bible, open it up. This is what it says about the Bible. They are more precious than gold, much than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. This book. This book is worth more than all the money in the world. you believe that? He said, this book and reading this book is as getting your favorite meal at your favorite restaurant. Or at this season, maybe a bowl of freshly picked strawberries. It's that sweet spending time in it. But it also says, this word will keep you wise and on the narrow path. It will forewarn you of pitfalls that you're facing. And finally, it will lead you to a great treasure of godliness, joy, and contentment. Do you believe that? God speaks through his creation. God more intimately speaks in this word. The final thing I would say here is, is that just like Nothing is hidden from the sun's effect. The word of God penetrates and examines the person. Because God speaks to our soul. What we see there 
in, uh, in verses 12 and 13, it says, But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. And may, not, may they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of the great transition. I transgression, I'm sorry. So what's happening here is the psalmist now reflects on God's speaking. And God himself, his revelation, and he looks at himself and he's reminded how sinful and his limitations are. Often, look, if you look at Psalm 8, we won't take the time to look at it, where God talks about the glory of God. Or the psalmist talks about the glory of God. And then in verse 4 it says this, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? God cares for us. You know, the sad reality, here's the sad reality for all of us. This is what the psalmist is reminding us. Is that our sin and our desire to run our own lives keep us, keep us from believing and obeying and trusting the word of God. That's what the great transgression is here. The great transgression is that you think you could run your life better than God. But what the psalmist says, what he wants is he wants to be blameless. He wants to be righteous. He wants to be pleasing to God. So what does he do? How does the one reach that goal? That's where we need God's grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. He says there, God, please forgive me for the sins I don't even know that I'm doing. And then he also says, please forgive me for those stupid sins that I choose to do. He wants a clean slate. God, the psalmist wants a clean slate. And he knows that God will give it to him every day. So it ends with this closing prayer. He says, May these words of my mouth and these meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, God. My rock, my redeemer. Let me go back to where we started. God is speaking. Are you listening? How's your signal with you and God these days? Is it clear as a bell? Is it, uh, is it, is it intermittent? Are you having a lot of silence or static? Has it been silent for a while? God, where are you? You ask the question, where are you, God? Christian, who moved? Am I moving away from the station or not? I think it's very clear here what God's calling us to do. It says if we get a stronger signal, we will be closer to hearing him, better hearing him. James 4, 8 says this, come near, come near or draw near to God and he'll come near. And the psalmist gives us a clear path of getting that connection right with him again. For some of us, it means we need to turn around. Turn back to God. Admit that I'm going my own way. Ask for his forgiveness. And you know what he says he'll do? He'll clean the slate. You start over. And that's one of the things that I've enjoyed over my years of being a Christian. You can always, it's always a do-over. Tomorrow can be the best day of your life. He'll forgive you and you can move on. 
And then I would say the best way to listen is start reading your Bible. Make a plan to start reading your Bible. Learn about God's grace, mercy, and love. And you know, when you see God being merciful and gracious, it kind of wears off on you with his help. And I think then start, when you start, and start experiencing the benefits of hearing God. And those benefits are this. He'll help you pull your life together. He'll point you on the right road. He'll show you the way of joy. And he'll give light to your eyes. Wouldn't it be nice right now to have a light? Things would be clear. What's next in your life? What I should be doing? God says, I'll help you do that. Draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. I hope all of you uh, are desiring a clearer signal from God. I know I am. And the question is, can you imagine? Can you imagine all of us here as we meet and as we gather as a community? Really? we're in tune with God. Can you imagine the things that he could do in and through us? And let him do the work. Not you deciding how it ought to be done. Let's start with a clean slate today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for your desire to communicate with us. We are just so thankful for the beauty of your creation for how it speaks so clearly that you're a God who is orderly, a God who is regular, a God who is in control and keeps things precisely together. And we thank you so much for your word. Father, give us a healthy love for it. Give us the ability to move forward in terms of our our pattern of reading and obeying you and trusting you. And Father, I pray that our signals would be clean and will be clear as we walk with you this day. In Jesus' name, amen.